Hi, I'm Hashem Kutsi, co-founder of Liwa Capital Advisors. A clear mind to me is very important for investing and for the human well-being. Joining me today is Bob Roth, the CEO of David Lynch. Bob is the person who taught me meditation 10 years ago, and since then, it's my daily routine. And when we connected two weeks back, I told Bob, I would like actually, you know, to share the benefits of what you told me and the scientific evidence behind it to the broader people that I would like to share with. And this is really sort of, you know, the essence of today's conversation. Bob, thank you for your time. I really appreciate, you know, sort of you taking the time. Wonderful and, to be with you, Hassan. Wonderful to be with you. So, you know what? I want to. I want to pick the. I want to pick this discussion from where we abruptly sort of uh, cut it off. In the sense, when I was describing to you that, you know, the pandemic, in a way, and and and, and all of us sitting at home and and and, and the pressures from different angles, uh, made me kind of even see more the benefits of uh, meditation. And in a way, you know, it kind of also very much fits very well with. So in the morning, I pray. And after the prayer, I, I, I go and sit alone and, and meditate. And what caught my attention in, uh, when I, I mentioned this to you, when you said that, you know, the, the, the science behind what happens in the prayer and the meditation are, are different, but they complement each other. So maybe perhaps, you know, if we can start with uh, uh, explaining that and, and, and given, you know, I am, I am very much a science, science-based kind of person. I, I, I would not have gotten into meditation un, uh, unless you have explained to me what really happens. So maybe if you can walk us through that. So first of all, it's an interesting conversation. I'm sure many of your viewers realize that there's more talk about meditation today than there's ever been. And I think the reason why there's interest in meditation is because the problems of stress are worse. The demands on us are greater than ever. It's clear, at least our body is, responds that way, so the demands are greater than ever. The fact that there's no magic pill we can take that can get rid of stress, that can heal trauma, that can you know, sustainably allow us to sleep better, to reduce anxiety and depression. There are pills, but they don't get to the root cause, Hashem. They, they mask our symptoms, or else we drink a lot of coffee or drink a lot, you know, to sort of, some of us do that, to, or wine to sort of, self-medicate ourselves. And the third reason why there's so much interest in the topic of meditation, and you know, you bring it up now, and that is there's so much science on, on meditation in general, and specifically on the technique that I taught you and the technique that um, I practice for over 50 years, it's called transcendental meditation or TM. Transcendental meditation, transcendental is a big word, it just means deep, quiet, settled. So to answer your question of what, what is the difference between transcendental meditation or TM and prayer, we can look to the brain because neuroscientists tell us that every experience we have changes the brain in a distinct way. So if you're uh, watching, a, if you're reading a, like a really boring book, it has one effect on your brain. If you're reading a really gripping book, another effect. If you're listening to some classical music, it has a particular effect on your brain. If you listen to loud, raucous music, it has another effect on your brain. So when they look at people, when they use these brain scans in the EEG and see people who are devoutly in prayer and people, which is a, you know, a religious practice, 
and something like transcendental meditation, which is not religious, which is sort of like a simple exercise. They see similarities in that there's a calm to a degree, but they see big differences. So when you are praying in the morning, then what happens is there's a part of your brain in the frontal lobe, pre prefrontal cortex. That's Prefrontal cortex is the size of your fist <clears throat> and it's right behind your forehead. <clears throat> and this is executive functioning. This is if you're a CEO or a leader of a company, this is the most important part of your brain. This is where you make decisions and plan and make judgments and your own sense of self, solve problems. It's also language, meaning. So this part of the brain lights up when we're thinking about something, meaning. And that part of the brain lights up when we're in prayer because it's a meaningful experience. Now, when we practice transcendental meditation, it's much more of a physical relaxation. So what happens during TM in the brain now, and I can explain what transcendental meditation is in, in a moment, but what happens is there's a calming of the limbic system that's in the center of your brain. That's your emotions. Like if you're upset about something, your amygdala. So there's a calming of that. And the pre this prefrontal cortex comes online, but in a sort of a peaceful way. It's not thinking about anything in particular, yet we're wide awake. It's a very healthy state. And so the reason why I say that prayer and, and transcendental meditation work so beautifully together is that one is one is a preparation for the other. So some people meditate and then they do their prayer. So they calm down and then they have their prayer. Other people like to pray first and they're sort of within themselves and then they do transcendental meditation. But it's they're, it's like saying push-ups and sit-ups. They're completely different for vitamin A and vitamin C. TM is more of a physical relaxation and prayer is a very devotional process on the level of meaning. Did that answer your question? Yes. There's a lot uh, of science. Was that too much science there? Uh, well, <laughs> you, you know what? Maybe let's go to, I, 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 I always sort of do this mistake, assuming people know exactly the subject that, that we're talking about. So maybe for the fairness of everyone, maybe if you can explain now what is TM. So transcendental meditation is a simple, natural, easily learned technique is practiced for about 20 minutes, twice a day, sitting comfortably in a chair with your eyes closed. It's been learned by about 10 million people of all ages and religions and nationalities and walks of life, educational backgrounds. And basically what it does, it's done sitting quite, as I said, with the eyes closed. What it does is it allows your active thinking mind, all the gotta, gotta, gotta thinking mind to just settle down, begin to settle down begin to just be drawn inward and quiet down to some quieter levels of thought. And when that happens, your body gains a profound state of rest and relaxation, in many regards, deeper than deep sleep. So, and when your body gets that deep rest, this is where all the benefits come from, Hashem. There's a reduction in anxiety, a re and reduction in depression, and a reduction in insomnia. It wakes up parts of the brain for creativity, for problem solving, for focus. And so it's done, it's, a, it's, it's easy to learn. A 10 year old child can learn how to do it and any adult can learn how to do it. There's no belief. You could be 100% skeptical and the technique works just fine. You don't have to believe in it. 
and um, it, and and there's no change in lifestyle. It's just something you do. How has has transcendental meditation influenced you or changed your life? Uh, I think you know at the beginning, you know at at the beginning, obviously when I when I started practicing, it took me time to sort of uh, uh, kind of unwind, and then I became a natural meditator to the to the effect that sometimes I seek it. Uh, but one main one main difference is that you know it made me kind of connect the dots. So like you know uh, I would be thinking about something or uh, and then you know in, during the meditation you kind of either you find you, you you find the answer or somehow you know an idea pops up in, in your mind. And and that's why I wanted also to ask you about the question in the sense. So I hear a lot about meditation for stress. But then, you know, my experience has been is more actually in clearing the mind and creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, and you mentioned something about uh, uh, about that in the in that you know when 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 the mind clears up, then it opens up the mind to look at other things. So, where did you see the biggest impact? Is it in the stress side or is it in the creativity? It all depends. Individuals are different. Someone who's had a lot of trauma in their lives, then the, the, the first thing they notice is physically, maybe they're not sleeping well, so they find that they're sleeping better. But someone who's physically in good shape, the first thing they may find is now the brain is functioning in a more integrated way, and so they're focused. I know Ray Dalio, that for him, that's what Transcendental Meditation does. He says it allows him to be like a ninja where he can be calm, equanimity inside while everything's coming at him fast. Every day, so much information, but he has to be calm inside. I think most business leaders find it's more mental that they, they notice that and the ability to solve problems and the ability to innovate. But some people who are, are under a lot of physical stress, it, ben it benefits everyone ultimately the same. If a person's in a, under a lot of physical stress, the meditation washes that away but then it also wakes up the brain there is also a side that going back to your question how was my experience is that in the initial phases of practicing it somehow opens up your emotions as if you know like the sensors were sort of switched off and then and then they become switched on too much to a certain extent and then you go back to sort of more equilibrium is that part of kind of releasing the physical stress you think yes we know now that the impact of just daily stress, daily pressures, we may be very fortunate. We may you know, live a comfortable, uh, materially a comfortable life, but the daily pressures, the daily pressures, the daily demands or concerns about something that's going on in our family or the world around us has an impact on the way our brain functions, the way our heart functions, the way our emo we respond emotionally to things. It's like a tension. And so what happens with transcendental meditation when there's this reduction in the, the uh, hormone is called cortisol. Cortisol is an anxiety or a stress hormone. And when you're anxious, you have high levels of cortisol. And sleep reduces cortisol by about 10%. But 20 minutes of transcendental meditation reduces cortisol by 40%. So yes, Hasham, when you get rid of this stress, then your emotions are, are, you're more available. When you come home from work, you're more available for your to your children. You're more available to your partner. You feel things more deeply. 
in the beginning, it can be sort of a surprise, but then it balances out. It's like a pendulum that's been pulled this way, not feeling much because of stress. And now for a day or two, now I'm feeling sort of waves of emotions, but then we, we center. Is that your experience? Uh, yes. I still remember, you know, when you were lecturing us about meditation, how you kind of describing getting down into the ocean. And, and, and in a way kind of untangling uh, 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 feelings that they might have been down from your birth at the time of whatever. So could you maybe just describe this? Because this was, you know, an interesting uh, uh, observation. I still kind of remember it. And as yes. you described- The analogy I use for the meditation is you're on a little boat and you're in the middle of the ocean. And all of a sudden you get these giant waves. And you could think, oh my gosh, the whole ocean is in upheaval, these 30, 40, 50 foot high waves. But the word whole ocean is an exaggeration because if you did a cross section, you'd realize the ocean may be turbulent on the top 20 feet, 30 feet, but the ocean is miles deep. And while the surface may be turbulent, the depth of the ocean is pretty darn silent. And so with transcendental meditation, we understand the mind is the same way by hypothesis. The surface of our mind is the active, busy, thinking mind. Gotta, gotta, gotta mind. But deep within every one of us, this is the hypothesis in TM, deep within every human being, there's a level right now where our mind is already settled and quiet and peaceful and yet wide awake, said to be the source of our creativity, our energy, our intelligence, our feelings. This isn't something we have to believe in. It's just, we find out, this is just, we research shows that it's true. So what happens with transcendental meditation, we just learn how to allow, as I said earlier, the active thinking mind to just settle down to these areas which are clearer, more orderly, more coherent, less scattered. And at the same time, those are where we have, as you were talking, some deep feelings that maybe happened from a long time ago. And what happens, in, and they're built up, some hurt or some tension or some trauma. And they, we carry that with us our whole life. And we can try and ignore it, but it influences us our whole life. And it's how we respond to the people we love and the work that we do. And what research shows is that in Transcendental Meditation, it allows those deeply rooted stresses, those traumas, to just be dissolved, easily, effortlessly dissolved. And that allows us to be free. And that gives us more creativity, more energy to do, to put into our relationships and our work. So we're less a victim from the past. And along that line, the US government has provided now $36 million in big research studies on the effects of transcendental meditation on heart health. It's more effective for reducing high blood pressure than most medications, for reducing risk of heart attacks, for atherosclerosis, for improving resilience, and now working with veterans for healing trauma. So yes, it's a very real experience that you're talking about. We have those stresses from the past. Transcendental meditation just allows them to dissolve. And as a result of that, we're more powerful, we're more focused, we're more energized in what we're doing. And, the, uh, and for to get that benefit, this has to be a continuous, like for example, you know, sometimes you're traveling or your schedule is very so uh, awkward that you miss a couple of days. 
uh, and then you go back. So it's fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's just, this is the meditation is done for 15 to 20 minutes once in the morning before the day begins as a preparation for the day's activity. So you 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 it's almost like you have a an armor, a shield. So you take on less <clears throat> less stress. You're more resilient. Have the energy, and then it's done at the end of the day before dinner to get rid of the stress and the, of and wash it off. So you enjoy your time in the evening with family and friends and sleep better at night. Now, let's be honest, life happens. Lots of times we can't fit the meditation in. Fine. If this is not another stressful thing, this is not this rigid thing. This is just, we, we, it's a tool we learn that we make best use of. You know what I mean? It's just that we make best use of it. And people tell me they don't have time. And I say, there's 1,440 minutes in every day. If we don't have 30 or 40 minutes to take care of this, to take care of our brain, which runs everything, then we may need to reconsider some priorities because everything happens up here and everything good about the brain, your decision-making, your pro again, your problem-solving, your intuition, your, your resilience, your feelings for people, your ability to recover from a failure or a, a, a loss all happens here. So we're taking twice a day, 15 or 20 minutes to sort of reboot the brain in the most natural, effortless, again, you hear the word meditation, you think, oh, it's a religion. Not religious, not religious, not TM, not religious. And it's a tool you have for the rest of your life. You don't join a club, you don't join an organization. There's no philosophy. When I teach a person to meditate, I have no agenda. I just teach them a tool. And then they take it as you have and use it as you wish for your life. Which is really, you know, what I what I liked about it is that you know it's between you and yourself. So it's 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 almost kind of you know similar to uh, uh, prayer, whereby it's, this is really something between you and yourself. And I must say, you know, sometimes to me meditation, your twenty minute limit doesn't cut it for me. So sometimes it goes to forty minutes, and I just let it go uh, because uh, you know you feel maybe that the body wants to, uh, and you really don't don't count the time. You know? Yeah, and, and the thing is, do you enjoy the practice? Do you enjoy sitting and doing the meditation? Oh, okay. as, I, as I tell you, I, I pray for it. But now actually you gave me an idea. I might want to try meditating and then praying. I want to I switch around that order. Try that. Just see what that, yeah. The thing is, some pe I talk to some people and say, oh, meditation. I couldn't sit with my eyes closed for a minute. You know, I have a busy mind. I have an ADD attention hyperactivity you know disorder I, I, well that's not transcendental meditation i could never clear my mind of thoughts that's a different type of meditation like there's the word medicine there's many different medicines some are good some aren't some are so meditation is it's not one lump sum transcendental meditation there's no effort there's nothing to believe in anyone can do it i've been teaching this for almost 50 years to so many thousands of people not one person has not been able to do it because it's natural. And so what differentiates the, the you know, like sometimes you have a meditation that you feel so good at and even, you know, and even you know, like almost have this like a body spasm from releasing stress and sometimes it's just normal. What differentiates that apart from the condition of your body <laughs> to meditate? 100%. Sometimes your body is more agitated. See what happens during TM as you're 
Because your mind and body, Hashem, as you know, they're not separate. There's not, I, I experience something in my mind, something happy or something unsettling, some disappointment. It's not like my body is immune to that. There's, there's a continuum. It's not separate. They're just one continuum. So when my mind settles down during TM, my body takes deep rest. And sometimes there's a lot of stress that's built up. And so that meditation is just getting rid of stress. And so you could have a lot of thoughts. You could feel less, you know, more restless. Other meditations just are both, it turns out, from a scientific standpoint, are very valid. Because those meditations where you're having more thoughts, where you're feeling a little less rested, actually your body's dumping off, dissolving a lot of stress, and we want to get rid of that stuff. That stress is the stuff that leads to high blood pressure, cancer, 80% of all diseases, all diseases, 80 to 90% of all diseases are either caused or made worse by stress. So in your 20 minutes of TM, sometimes it's just clearing it out. So afterwards you feel better. So if both of them are good. So is there gonna be now a movement even by the medical profession to recommend as a prescription that you go and, 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 and do medical medication, so as to speak? Yes, and the only thing that's holding that up, there's a lot of interest in that. And we're working with a lot of insurance companies. In science, and for a new pharmaceutical, for a new medicine, to, in order to qualify for the Food and Drug Administration for approval, FDA approval, so that an insurance company will reimburse, they go through these three stages of, of uh, testing. First is a phase one trial on a new medicine with 60 people and they just see, is it safe? A phase two trial is 200 people with that new medicine or vaccine. And they see, oh yes, it has benefits compared to another medicine. And if it shows that it's healthy and good and has benefits, then the last trial is they do it in 10 different hospitals with a thousand people, just to be sure. And if it's valid and helpful, then government, the insurance companies will reimburse. So we are right now, we've done, we're right at that last stage. And we're doing, for example, with veterans, we're in nine different VA veterans administration hospitals and the research results will be used to teach transcendental meditation covered by the insurance company to a million vets with PTSD. The next area we're gonna do is high blood pressure. There's a hundred million people in America who have high, and all over the world have high blood pressure. So this research will then mean that those hundred million people, they'll go see a doctor, the doctor can write out a prescription for TM and the insurance company will pay for it. So that's, that's what we're doing right now. Well, I wanted to... That was a lot of information about, about FDA approval, but I wanted to tell you the substance of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to the, to, the, to the how you do the meditation. So obviously there is the mantra. And incidentally, you know, the mantra is something that all religions practice or all beliefs practice in different forms. So there seems to be, you know, a connection, uh, you know, in the ancient world, with how the human mind really sort of to settle the human mind. Uh, and, so, and so what is the origin of the mantra in the case of meditation? Is it, does it have to do to, to, to do similar? So, so transcendental meditation predates religion. It predates, you know, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, 
Catholicism, Hinduism, it predates it. It just way, way, way before people, I think, arbitrarily drew lines around countries and said, this is my country. And a sound was used, is used in transcendental meditation, a mantra is a sound that has no meaning associated with it. So in religion, with prayer, yes, they have a thought or sound or word, but it has a meaning. So you're meditating on the meaning, Lord's name or something like that. And so you're doing that. And that, as I said, activates the part of the brain on the level of meaning. In transcendental meditation, it's just a, a, it, the thought, the sound is used just for the sound alone, for the quality of the sound alone, peaceful sound that allows the mind to dive deep within. In the level of prayer, we're here on the level of meaning, surface more, and in transcendental meditation, we dive deep within. So it's, it's in, in, you know, music is a form of calming for people. So it's not surprising to see it in every culture. Oh, people listen to music or they sing music or it sounds like singing songs. Now they're chanting the names of name of God. So these are all human uh, qualities, human activities, but they have different outcomes, different purposes. Well, I mean, we all eat food. I can eat a dessert. I can eat a protein. I can eat a vegetable, different, different outcomes. So, so, so by, by the way, interesting. So, do you think then the the the, the, uh, 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 the religious scholars practice actually meditation without them knowing? I think the ability to settle down, to transcend, to just people say, "What do you mean by transcending?" And I say, "You know, well, quieter levels of the mind." And they say, "Well, what is quieter levels of the mind?" And I say, "You know, you go to a playground." pre-coronavirus and you see it your child and you see some kid and you say oh that kid is a hothead that kid is boiling over with rage he's hurt and his body is tense and then we have that statement oh Hashem is cool calm and collected we have that phrase cooler minds will prevail so all we're doing this so this is heated up here surface level ocean and then quiet all we're doing with transcendental meditation it's just accessing those inherently quieter levels of the mind. Now, you can access that occasionally by listening to music, by playing music, by being with a loved one, that someone you love and just there's a moment of unity, of holding a newborn child in your arms. Some athletes have that experience when, they, when they're in the zone. So the ability to access those quieter levels are for its universal. The purpose of meditation, transcendental meditation, is to specifically not have it ha happen by random chance, but to do it twice a day so that your brain and everybody and every part of your brain and body gets used to that. Practice makes perfect. So now it becomes part of your everyday life. But I'm sure religious people in their deep devotions have had access to those transcendent deeper levels of life. And they're non-religious those deeper levels are non-religious, they're human. That's the point I wanna make, those quieter levels of the mind are human. What we do with those quieter levels, pray from that area, that's what is meaningful for us. Up, I must say, very, very enlightening. Uh, uh, you know, I am hoping that, one, that as we are getting back to normal, we would like to sort of uh, extend an invitation for you. We would like also, you know, to hold, hold the class, offer it to anybody who wants to learn, mm -hmm. because you are right, you know, I think the, uh, 
for all of us who care about the well-beings, people close to us or, or in society, this is really perhaps the best gift. Can I say one more thing? Yes. I think one of the uh, remarkable things is I head up what's called the David Lynch Foundation, I'm a filmmaker, and we feel that a rising tide, you know, that line, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if some of us are benefiting from this, then we want to make it available to everyone. So what the David Lynch Foundation has done in the last few years is we brought this to a million children who live in under-resourced, often you know, crime-ridden or violent neighborhoods. We're working with women who are recovering from some sort of violence. We're working now with doctors and nurses who are on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we work with people with substance use disorder, with high levels of anxiety. And for me, it's very satisfying. There's this great ancient proverb, I'm not sure from what tradition, that says, the world is my family. The world is my family. I mean, I have my family, but it's such a wonderful thing, as you were saying, to be able to bring this to a simple tool that can really change people's lives at their, at their core. So I can teach a child in the favelas of Brazil who has no hope for what anything in their life. And now they learn this meditation and then their brain wakes up and the stresses go and they do better in school. And then they graduate, they go on to college. It's that profound. I, I see it as a medical intervention. So I, I have enormous respect and, and love for you and your family. And I'm happy when, when the time is right to come to your lovely country and teach a course and anything I can ever do to support you, Hashem. I'm very happy to. I think you're one of those rare human beings in the world that just does good. Thank you. And uh, uh, I will sort of also follow up to see how, how also we can support in your efforts in the David Lynch Foundation. Because as I said, you know, I have really benefited a lot from the meditation. So, you know, if you, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I love the energy you always bring. Uh, and uh, you. <laughs> thank you for taking the time and uh, hope to see you soon. Okay, sir. Thank you. Really lovely. Thank you. To all everyone watching, have a good day.